0: Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. We've got an interesting little combo episode for you today. The first, third or so, is the wrap-up episode of the Martha Carr Launch Strategy Case Study, where we've been following Martha as she's going through this process of launching six books in 91 days – In today's episode, we'll get the final details on how things went and what she'd do differently if she were to do this again. This entire process has been fascinating to me, and I I think to a lot of you as well, and I'm kind of sorry to see it come to an end. I'll be actively looking around for another case study when time permits because I I love these deep dives into a topic and, and to see how things actually work. Uh, when you spend enough time looking into it. Martha will also be around for the second part of the show, where we bring in Jill Smith, the narrator for Martha's Wallace Jones series. The first of the audiobooks was just released, and I thought it would be interesting to hear the two of them discuss the ways they've worked together on the series. And for those of you who haven't tried audio yet, you may learn a thing or two about how the process works, not only for the author, but for the narrator as well. It's interesting to me the way the two of them have worked together to make the audiobooks uh, the best that they can possibly be, and they are fantastic. So I hope you will check those out as well. As always, we'll have show notes with links to everything we mentioned at theauthorbiz.com. Okay, Martha. We will start the way we typically start. Uh, the last book was released on February twenty-second. That was the Butterfly Project, the sixth book in your Wallace Jones series. Six books in ninety-one days was ninety-one or ninety-three?
1: Ninety-one. And can I point out something that my brain did, and so that everybody doesn't write you and say what? I, when talking to the wonderful book cover designer, Victoria Cooper, I kept saying butterfly effect over and over again. (laughs) And the, so I get to the um, time to release the book and of course it's late at night and I look down and realized it says butterfly effect. So I went with it. So now the book is called butterfly effect. Really? And yeah. Okay. And it works. And uh, I thought that was hilarious that, of course, I mean, I had weeks to notice and never saw it.
0: (laughs) This is the real time nature of being an indie publisher.
1: Yes. And no one else who saw it pointed it out either. I showed that cover to a bunch of different people and in the art group and none of us said, hey, that says effect, not project. (laughs) <laughs> and uh funny part is, no one's pointing out to me still. It was me who noticed, sitting there late at night about to hit publish, and looked and thought, uh-oh.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So, well, before we get to how it goes, um, I got a comment in the Author Biz Facebook group the other day from someone, a new member of the group, who... It's a closed group, so you have to request membership. But if you're out there and you're not in and you're an author and you listen to this show, please request membership. We'd love to have you in there. But this particular gentleman uh, came in, introduced himself, and said – essentially love the show these are the specific things i've gotten out of it over the course of the last few months and one of them was your cover designer his his first book his first indie oh, published good. book her cover his cover was designed by your cover designer so that was just uh, a, a couple of weeks ago that, that, that she came she is up super on the show. good
1: and she's super affordable and she's very accountable and what's her name again victoria cooper and you can find her on facebook that's the best way to find her
0: Okay, all right, so let's get on with the show. The Butterfly Effect released on February 22nd. How did it go?
1: Uh, So it came out on the 22nd, and I hit uh, higher than I've ever hit um, and was making about $45 a day. Mm. And then, yeah, and then it dropped off like a rock a little bit after that, and, and we're back down to about $10 a day. But I also want to make clear that I understand that for a lot of uh, authors, $10 a day, 45 any seventy, the 17 that it probably all averages out to still mm-hmm. um, is a lot of money. And that's nothing to sneeze at. It's 500 a month, and it's a great place to start. And before you ask me, yes, I'll point out that when the first two books I had brought out on my own for quite some time, they made a couple dollars a year. Mm -hmm. so uh finding you know and it and it's not the same exact people reading the books over and over so for whatever reason i keep finding brand new people to
0: read the books okay and during the last show you announced something that was sort of radical in that you cut off the first Three chapters of the first book in your series, The List Conspiracy, and we talked about that. Has there been a noticeable difference in read-throughs for that or KU pages and or uh, read-through to later books in the series? There's been a
1: difference. Yes, there's been a difference. There's two interesting things that happen. One, I did that right at the same moment as a director is interested in possibly pitching it to television. So I of course said to him, Hey, by the way, I've decided to do this. And he said, great, because those first three were stopping me. So I'll start over. So I accidentally <laughs> helped myself mm-hmm. um, with my timing. And then the, uh, the reviews have gotten better. And I think it's because it's, easier for people to get into the story and to to meet the main character. So that's what I've noticed. Also, um, I wrote to Kindle and said, I've taken off these first three chapters. I think it's a significant change. Would you email all of the people who've bought The List Conspiracy and let them know? And they agreed with me, and they let them know where they could download it again for free. So... Okay. Uh, that's also what I did. Well, that's interesting.
0: I, I got an email message after our last show, and I would typically have forwarded this to you, but I sort of wanted to get your reaction to this just in, in real time to see what you thought. Sure. And and this was a listener who I think had listened to all the shows, and he found the idea, and I'm paraphrasing here, he found the idea of cutting off the first three chapters to be a little bit mercenary, and he he thought that you might be, I don't know, sort of tromping all over your artistic vision for the book just to make more money. So how how did you respond to that?
1: I actually have a great response for that and something I had forgotten about. You know, the list conspiracy was originally represented by an agent and it was the agent who insisted on those first chapters, not me, and I added those at their request and because they thought it needed something to move, move it uh, faster into action. And uh, also as an author who's been in the traditional world and I have traditionally published novels and indie, it's always a collaborative effort. And uh, even as an indie, I have editors. And so you have to be able to take advice. And I cut off those first three chapters because of a lot of reader response that said, where's the main character? So those were they were three good chapters. I certainly liked them individually, but that's often the case where you're taking out stuff you liked. It just slows down the story.
0: So interestingly enough, those three chapters were actually added as yes, and, and they were added. And in your mind, maybe that was even trampling on your artistic vision, adding those more so than taking them out.
1: Well, and also, um, when I went and looked and realized I could take those three off and it didn't harm the story, I think that was a reflection of the fact they were added last, not first. Yes. And. Yeah. And uh, and and you know um, if you're I am writing books so that people will read them. I am not writing them so that I get to say I wrote a book. If that's the case, then I am always in uh, in mind of the reader to some degree at least. And if they're saying that I so I've written half a million words. Somebody asked me, so I went and added them up. And uh, if I've written half a million words of one story, this is one story broken up into six books. And three chapters at the very beginning are stopping people from taking
0: this ride. Those three chapters are going to go. Okay. Well, great answer. So, all right. So we are at the end of this process now, the the six-book process. It was a rapid launch process. Um, th- there was... Probably uh, the person who was mentoring you through this, Michael Anderley, had a breakout series that that he launched right. with this. And they're probably in the back of your mind. You're thinking, wow, this could happen to me. But it didn't. Right. It didn't. No, it didn't. And I'm OK with that. I um, I feel very successful, frankly,
1: because I learned a lot. I am making money from it. Um, I am going on to something. I'm already mapping out a new series. And I have built a following, and I know they'll come with me. And so everybody's experience is probably going to be different. I would love to outsell Michael Anderley for a day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it, it's it's got to happen someday. So the nature of your series is such that it, it's not really time-bound. So Correct. it's... It's something that you could just promote every so often, and while maybe it's not going to appeal to everyone, those people it's going to appeal to are are going to buy six books and enjoy the story because it is a six-book story. And also, all along, uh, you know,
1: when it's in Kindle Unlimited, you can actually follow, watch the read-through in, in real time and see if it's happening. And it's always had great read-through. It's I can all, almost watch a wave of people go from one end to the next. So, and you and I are actually participating in an anthology close to the bones that will be out later this year with, um, other thriller authors, Mm -hmm. and that will help promote the series as well. So yeah, I'm going to continue to support it. You know, it's a story about shadow governments and, um, do the voters really get the chance to choose and what does one woman do about it when she finds she's in the middle of it? I started this years ago, but it is fun that it actually has perhaps some real world ties.
0: Yeah. and, And there is a Dan Brown quality to the story. Story, right um, where it, it there is this elaborate web of things that are going on and it could be a little confusing to to kind of wrap your wrap your mind around it in the beginning but it, it's a, it's a rollicking good story and uh, back to the anthology for a minute I'll just mention this very quickly okay. um, because I'm going to do my part of it sort of in real time in on the Taylor Stevens show where Taylor and I talk about the craft right. of writing we are going to talk about Talk through the story. We're going to build it, and then I'm going to write it, and, and she'll offer some thoughts on the writing while I'm doing it. So if you're interested in more of this real-time stuff, uh, check it out on The Taylor Stevens Show. That will start in probably two weeks. So we'll, we'll break down and come up. I'm, what I'm going to do is pitch her a half dozen ideas for the stories, and then we're going to pick one, and then we'll, we'll go from there. And also for authors who are kind of new
1: or haven't have never done an anthology, the reason we're doing it is because you, uh, we have watched others do this in other genres, and they lift each other substantially in terms of building an audience. It's a big uh, boost uh, of to visibility to um, do something like this. Plus, it's fun. So uh, I highly encourage others to look for some you know, about ten authors, eight to ten thousand words a story. Um, it's a way to help your series.
0: And you're doing this in conjunction with another author, you guys are kind of uh, putting we this are. all together. How much work and time is involved from you guys?
1: Uh, it's less now, because Craig Martell, who is uh, very kindly doing this with me, has already done this before in another genre, so he had worked out a lot of the kinks, and we knew where the landmines were going into this one. And so far, it's been pretty easy-peasy. Um, people have uh, done what they need to do. We'll see. Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I've been an editor myself. So I don't really have, I hope, I don't have unrealistic expectations. We'll swing with whatever happens. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, Victoria Cooper's already done the cover. We did that early so that people would write toward the cover to some degree so that there's some continuity kind of flavor that goes through it. And um, it's going super well. It's going super well. And uh, hopefully it'll help people find the Wallace Jones series. If you like a strong female character, uh, you will love the Wallace Jones series. If you like an epic tale uh, where you just can't wait to see what happens next and you don't want it to end, there you go.
0: Are you writing a Wallace Jones story for this?
1: No, I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm doing something entirely. There are two short stories uh, already that go with Wallace Jones that are give you more background. Okay. Um and so I wanted to do something entirely new.
0: Okay, all right. So let's let's do what we normally do. We talk about highs and lows, or highlights right. and lowlights. What was what were the highlights over the course of the last few weeks?
1: The highlights were finishing a series. I mean, that was huge. That's amazing. I've walked, <laughs> yeah, I've walked around with this inside my head for years. Like I said, the first book was originally repped by an agent, and um, then to meet Michael last July. And suddenly uh, I speed things up and the entire series is out. So that's, and I'm uh, going to throw a party and have friends and family over and any 20 bookers that are in the area so that we can celebrate that thing and not just like watch it go by and not do that. So, and then um, hitting forty five dollars over a weekend was fun and noticing that, uh, the last two books, five and six are in the top 100 hot re- new releases for financial thrillers. Those were all great stuff.
0: Those. And when you say $45, you mean $45 a day, not $45 correct. for the weekend, but $45 a day for the weekend, correct. which is correct. That's okay. That's good.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Celebrate everything. Yes. I mean, um, it's too yeah. much
0: work that goes into writing a book to just kind of Seriously. let it go without celebrating every possible, uh, thing that you can get out of it
1: right and it's not the end of the journey it's this for me is really just another piece of it and I'm going to take everything I've learned and what I've already built and turn around and start a new story and um, watch things build from there okay
0: now uh, another part of the process for you is going to be audio and we'll get to Jim Smith in a little bit who's the narrator for this but one interesting thing that happened Jill had finished the book. She had narrated the entire book, including the first three chapters. Right. So we just thought, oh, you know, we'll just very simply pull these three chapters. And a listener heard us talking about this and messaged me on Facebook and said, you know, you're going to have to redo the chapter intros. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Did you think of that? No, I didn't think of it at all. And, and we had to rope poor Jill into, you know, going back into the studio because every chapter begins with chapter one, chapter two. And can you imagine starting a, an audio book and the first thing you hear is chapter four? <laughs> <laughs> so thank it, you, Mark, for that. Okay, so low lights over the course of the last few weeks.
1: The low lights, uh, uh, quite honestly, it didn't feel like a low light, but if there was one, it's that the sales have slowed down to about $10 a day, and there's a recognition that it's not going to be a rocket. It's time to move on and pivot, but it doesn't feel like a low light. It just feels like time to move on and to feel good about everything it's done. Cause I think it, I I went from having 30 people on an email list that I knew, knew everyone and it was probably related to a lot of them to 3000 and, um, I have an art group now. Um, the entire series is out. So, and I, I have made about $500 a month somewhere around there. So I see that all is like
0: good. Yep. it It is good. It. It's possible to inflate your expectations to the point where anything seems bad. Yeah. Uh, but if you have the right attitude and it sounds like you do, that then this was a, a success for you. Um, looking back on the entire process, is there anything that you would do differently?
1: Yes. I would um, start building uh, the email list and the art group as soon as possible, sooner than I did, um, and, uh, really get them going and ask that art group. You can, you can start with an Insta freebie and a promo where, where you'll get a lot. And I did it with a short story from the series since everything was in Kindle Unlimited. But so I, if I had it to do over, I would take that first book and use that before I put it into Kindle Unlimited, build the list, um, the email list and then, or newsletter list, and then ask who wants to be in the art group and ask them to leave reviews Um, And I've watched others do it that way since then, too, and have a much stronger launch um, because they already had people saying, hey, you're going to like this.
0: And I have watched from afar your your launches, and I'll go in and and look like the day after to see where the rankings are, and then I'll go check the next week and see what's happened. And it seems like that. While you're not having gargantuan launches, the launches are essentially the high point for the book, and then it starts to trickle off. So whatever you're doing in the launch process is at least ginning up sales at the very beginning, but it's not ginning them up enough to trigger that Amazon thing where they just start selling the book for you.
1: Agreed. And, but I would also point out, too, that for the most part, every time I've gone up, I've, um, for, for the most part, held in the author sales rankings, held those positions. So while um, while it's not generating, you know, amounts of revenue that would stop people in their tracks, it seems to be like steadily perking along. And so it makes me wonder if it's just going to be one of those things where, uh, people keep discovering it and at some point people start to talk to each other. And also, by the way, since I put out the last book, I'm not sure why, but everybody finally caught on that this is an epic story. And by that's, I mean that as a definition that it's a story that starts and goes all the way through all six and the reviews are starting to reflect that, which is great that um, people are catching on. Oh, you gotta read all six. It's one long story and it's a lot of fun. I, um, I would like to say something to all the, cause I know there are a lot of people listening to this who are brand, brand new to publishing, maybe brand new to writing, that everything they're learning as they do this is worthwhile. And even if they're making $3 a day and wondering how they can get to the 17, um, what they're learning is worthwhile. And if they keep asking questions and working with others and uh redoing what needs to be done and promoting when they can, they're gonna they're going to see an increase in sales. It's we started out this entire series saying it's just data, and that's still the case. That's why I'm not bemoaning anything. I got great data, I made um changes, some of them drastic when needed. And I'm proud of what I've accomplished and what I've done. And I didn't do any of this without a lot of other people as well. And from here, I go on to do something new. You know, if you're not having any fun at this, I don't see why I do it uh, at all. So make sure fun is involved, that you celebrate everything and celebrate it with an actual celebration, not just a, oh, good for me. And um, have a good time. And so, wherever somebody is right now, t- um, take a moment and, and see it as a positive and be grateful for the fact that you started writing at all and that you're making progress.
0: And I think it's important. I'm really, I'm really glad we did this series. The, the, the feedback has been really good. And I think it's a great example of normalcy. In the world of the of yes. authors, because we, we all celebrate. I, I had Scott Paul on the show last week, and S- Scott is an amazing story, the way he just kind of burst onto the scene and he's making right. all this money. That is – that's a lightning strike. It happens so rarely. Most of the time, it's going through the process, putting out the books, tweaking your system, tweaking the covers – changing, you know, maybe knocking the first three chapters off a book, yes. um, just tweaking and iterating until it starts working. And whether that's starting a new series or continuing on with an existing series, it's just keeping going and not saying, wow, I didn't make as much money as Scott Paul. So I'm right. I'm so over this. I'm done. You know, I am so well, excited about how excited you are about how this oh, has come absolutely. out.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's because my sense of worth is not wrapped up in uh, how much money this makes. It's, um, it's really a question of, uh, is it going in the right direction? I always like to say the rock is rolling in the right direction, which it is. Ah, I like that. Yeah, and um, people are enjoying the series quite a bit and getting excited. And what more can you ask? I would love to um, look up one day and see a $100 day, and who knows? But uh, I'm going to keep going and have more fun. I had a great time creating this story where I knew all along what the conspiracy was, and I knew darn well no one would guess it right away. (laughs) And if you're reading it, you think you know, but you don't know and um so you know i was having a fun time too i've um i am a nerd head from way back and as a kid i used to create elaborate 3d kind of board games and elaborate uh treasure hunts for my brother so the fact that i grew up to write these complicated conspiracies is not a surprise And if you like a puzzle where you want to be surprised and not say this person did it and this is what happened, you know, in the first book, which I hate, I admire when I can read something and I didn't see it coming, but I can see where it fit. I admire that writer. And so that's what I set out to do and I'm proud of it. And so, yeah, I feel super glad about it. I frankly still think that eventually thousands of people will suddenly discover the wallace jones series and say where has this been
0: and then we're doing another <laughs> show I, I promise you that <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay all right now it's time to bring in jill smith who is the narrator for the series and the first audio book in the in the series has just come out welcome to the author biz
2: hi thank you for having <laughs> me
0: it is it is great to have you here um I, I want to talk a little bit about the entire process of putting together an audiobook and the relationship between the narrator and the author and all the different things that can go into it. I know in the case of The List Conspiracy and, and Martha's series uh, that Martha went out for audition. Martha, how many auditions did we get? We listened to three. Okay. And so, Jill, you were obviously one of those three. When you get an audition request, is that something that you go, oh, wow, here's a great opportunity? Or do you think, oh, God, another audition request?
2: (laughs) I actually get really excited. Um, The audition process is one of my favorite parts. And I just I really enjoy how different each audition is. And how it's just a really fun opportunity to just get these little snippets of stories and characters and connect with them, you know, for just a few minutes. Um, And never even knowing sometimes, like, what's going to come of it, you know, if I will get a chance to spend more time with them in the future or not. But I do think it's a really fun process. So, yes, I was excited.
0: And we're going to have a lot of people out there listening who have been considering Uh, the prospect of audiobooks, but who haven't done it for whatever reason. So I'm going to really kind of get down in the weeds a little bit here. Uh, With an audition, a typical audition, how much reading time or narrating time is that?
2: It's usually between five to eight minutes.
0: Okay. And when you get the material, is it typically uh, a single scene or is it maybe some different scenes where the author might want to see how you would handle different types of material?
2: I have gotten all kinds of different things. Um, usually, it's one scene or two shorter scenes um, involving either one or you know two main characters. Um, but I've definitely had audition sides that were just like uh, one or two lines from basically every major speaking character in the book. You know, just so you get a quick sense of, of how you know the narrator would do all those different voices. Um, so it completely depends on on yeah the author or the publisher. How do you do that?
0: If you get a, a list of characters, let's say you get 15 speaking characters, how do you how do you do that in an 8-minute thing? It seems impossible.
2: <laughs> it's a lot of guessing. Um, <laughs> I I come from a theater background and I mean a lot of times, you know, they will include, you know, basic instructions on, you know, how these people sound, but still with one or two lines and not having read the whole book, you know, it's it's tough to understand sometimes exactly where these characters are in their journey. Um and, like, what emotional state they're in. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I come from a theater background and was always taught, you know, to make bold choices at first. Mm-hmm. Because directors can always pull you back. They can't always push you out there, you know. Um, so I think if I get a list like that, then I just, you know, I just go with my gut. I try to make distinct choices, um, you know, to the best of my ability and then you know just hope that if they hate it maybe they'll still hear something there and be like oh you know well we could still use you if you promise not to ever do that voice again you know like-
0: <laughs> there's an accent involved in in Martha's material and I think she may have told you about that accent, but if, if you were doing something like this and someone suggested that you use a certain type of accent and you kind of get it wrong, at least according to the, the author, do they, will they go back to you and say, hey, I really like this, but could you try this accent again because it's not working for me? Or is it just a one and done type thing with, a, with an audition?
2: Sometimes. Uh, Most of my auditions have been one and done. Um, Usually, you know, I'll send the audition, maybe I'll hear back, you know, maybe I'll get a form rejection. Um, Sometimes they will send me messages, you know, saying, Hey, like, you know, we really loved this about your audition, but we need somebody who sounds older. We need someone who sounds, you know, 14 or so, you know, um, so sometimes they will give explanations uh, for why they didn't go with you. Um, But, yeah, for for the most part, um, my auditions have been pretty straightforward in terms of, you know, they're either like, OK, yes, we can use you or no, we can't. I have had one or two auditions maybe where they asked um, for like a callback, you know, so they're like, oh, we liked this about the original, you know, audition. Here is another scene. Can you try it, you know, taking these things about the character into consideration? Um, so, yeah, it just it depends.
0: Okay, Martha, do you remember what kind of instruction that that you sent to Jill as a part of the audition process, maybe for ages or accents, anything like that? I do, and
1: um, uh, one of the instructions, Jill was the only one who really grabbed it, and that's why I chose her. Um, it said, on the accent, it said that the Richmond accent is a very mild Southern accent, and which it is, and... Um, there was some description of the characters. And for the main character, Wallace Jones, I said that this is a strong female who makes decisions for herself. And Jill was the only one who didn't uh, make her voice sound as if she was frightened or um, t- uh, timid. She sounded maybe alarmed and um, uh, wondering what was going on, but not like she was going to break a heel and fall at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a fine distinction. Yeah, well, it it's you know it when you hear it, and the, um, that's the reason I chose her. is that She was the only one who—Wallace uh, was still an independent woman and not waiting for a rescue.
0: And interestingly enough, I heard all three auditions. You and I have, have, have known one another for a while, so I—, I I was helping you with this, right, and I listen to a lot of audiobooks, a lot of audiobooks right. And I have been most of my adult life and and you ask my opinion, and I have to say that Joe would not have been my top choice. I don't remember who was my top choice i do okay and and we don't need to go into that no, you-
1: I won't say who, but uh, I know why you like that person, but when they uh, when that particular audition did wallace wallace sounded uh, you know like oh my god what's happening and i I
0: remember you saying that yes and i remember thinking wow i i didn't think wow that's a fine distinction i thought wow this is a big mistake now let me say (laughs) In, in addition to all the other times I've had the opportunity through the course of this uh, five-episode series uh, to say, wow, I was wrong. I was wrong again because Jill's version of the material is magnificent, right? and I, I want to be sure and get that out there because I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and to me an audiobook is the narrator painting a movie for the mind with their voice. And that's exactly what Jill did, and I just remembered being in my car, which is the only way I can really tell how well something is working because that's the way I normally listen, and just being completely lost in the material, and something happened, and I'm like, this woman is amazing, (laughs) and (laughs) – I um, I know I've, I've told Jill that and I've told you that I just wanted to make sure that that got out to the audience I could not have been more wrong Jill is the perfect person for, for this series and I'm, I'm so glad that you were you stood up for yourself
1: and also um, we did have to all come together to talk about the older male voices at first where Stephen you were key to being able to figure it out because I felt like they all sounded too elderly and so I said to Jill, "Use Stephen as your <laughs> as your guide for an older gentleman." And, and then that it was perfect.
0: <laughs> we are not going there, are we?
1: <laughs> but it was perfect after that.
2: So. You just have a very inspiring older male voice. Right. You know? Well,
0: it, you know, we all have our strengths, and I'm writing that down on my strength list now. Great old guy voice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was interesting and it's problem it's it's something that i wanted to talk about is that we did not just go into this and have jill just start recording and say this is perfect uh there was some tweaking that needed to be done jill what's what's normal i, I think normal might be that you record the first chapter or 15 minutes or something and then get an authorization and then in general you're just off to the races then right
2: yeah exactly
0: and we were different
2: yeah but in a good way definitely
0: <laughs> okay and and what did you think and be honest when when you know you heard this stuff about the male voices and you need to sound like this guy you've never talked to before and, <laughs> I mean, what is what did you think honestly
2: um i really appreciate this. I was just, um, talking with another author the other day whose audiobook I had done. Um, I was talking to him on his podcast and he was asking me a similar question because he really liked to be involved throughout the entire process. And mm-hmm. he liked to, you know, before the entire book was submitted, he liked to listen to the chapters, you know, and stuff like that. And, um, and just you know, offer feedback. And he's like, did I drive you crazy? Like, he's like, did you want to kill me? And I was like, no, <laughs> honestly, like I said, maybe it's that theater background, but I'm very, very used to performance being a collaborative process where you get a lot of feedback throughout. So I think actually one of the scariest things about audiobooks is, you know, sometimes working with those authors or publishers who, you know, there's just zero feedback. There's just like, okay, first 15 approved. And then you send the whole book and like, you never hear, you know, <laughs> yeah. anything ever again. Um, so I appreciated being able to go through that first chapter with you guys a few times um, and really make sure that it was sounding the way you wanted it to sound. Uh, so that I was not just Swimming in the dark, <laughs>
1: and yeah, it, I, I really, I really think it made the first book come alive.
0: So you noticed a difference, Martha. You you noticed a difference absolutely. after all this. Okay,
1: absolutely. Um, it became much more fast paced
0: and uh, possible to see the action, and it yeah, it was great. And from your perspective, Martha, was it a difficult conversation to have? No, because um, I, I
1: tend to be very direct and I feel like uh, everybody can, when you're, this is a collaborative process. And so if you can't speak up for yourself, that just makes it tougher. Mm -hmm. It's better to be clear and say, here's, um, and also I approach everything like there's a solution. So I wasn't concerned. Um, I just wasn't quite sure what it was until I realized you, Steven, as the example.
0: Yes. What old guy do I know? Oh, Steven. <laughs> with a lovely voice.
1: Uh, and, now, go ahead. Oh, well, so um, I, I, anybody who's thinking about doing Audible or audio, uh, sh- I feel should approach it with, with, as a collaborative process, but they're also just a part of it. So I was also trying to um, stay open to the idea that um, at first – I'm going to have to listen to it a couple of times in order to get out of the I'm the author kind of chair and listen to it as a as a a reader.
0: And did you ever do that?
1: Yeah. by the time it was done, I listened to it as a reader. It'd been a while since and yeah, it was it was really fun, a lot of fun
0: i I talked to a lot of authors. I probably the majority of them never listen to their audiobooks because they can't. Jill, is, is that your experience or do most of your authors listen?
2: Um, I feel that most of my authors have listened. Um, but I do understand from both perspectives. I am also an author and I've had a couple of my books put out in audio and I could not listen to them for the longest time. Um, I only tried it recently because i just like, I don't want to
0: hear my own words. And you've also I mean do you have in your own mind when you're writing the characters that you write that this is what they sound like and then as you said this is a performance the the artist who did the performance might have a slightly different vision of that character is is that something where you that you just cringe when you hear the voice for the first time or is it just okay you go with it
2: I have been lucky I have no complaints there are definitely voices for my characters that are you know the narrator did them differently than what I would have thought but it worked, you know, it worked so well, um, that I was like, I
1: wish I'd had, you know, this person's voice in my head while I was writing. And, you know, I've also done, I'm, I've been writing so long back when book signings were still a thing. And so I've, um, had the pleasure of meeting a lot of readers and they tell you what the book's about and you realize, Oh, oh, they say it consistently. This is what the book's about. So, Hearing somebody interpret it differently to me is not a problem. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, And that's what I want. I want people to imprint on the books their ideas. That tells me that they're uh, able to
0: connect. And so we are now at the beginning stages of book two. Have you two been involved? Has there been any discussion at all about book two, Jill, or are you just off to the races?
2: We have not talked about it yet, although I am certainly happy to discuss it. Um, Yeah, I'm only a couple chapters in, um, and yeah, I'm just excited about it. I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good.
1: We got it worked out. Again, this is one long epic tale. So once you get the framework, it's really just a continuation of the story that you're looking for what the answers are um, at the
0: end. And I think there are going to be a lot of people like me, um, and this is the way I've always listened to audiobooks. If I listen once and I really connect with the story through the audiobook, then I cannot read it again. I have to have it narrated to me. So sadly, I'm in the position of waiting <laughs> for Jill. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. <laughs> How many of the books have you read? Have you only read the first one? I've
0: only read the first and a little bit oh. of the second. And um, So when I heard – I really didn't intend to listen to the whole thing. I just thought I want to hear bits and pieces like I've done with other people's audio books where I've helped them. I just listened to bits and pieces to get a sense of the way the narrator did the voice. Uh, But I was just drawn into the story, and she never – you never let me go, Jill. So kudos.
1: Aw, thank you. That's fantastic. (laughs) Hopefully the words contributed to that too, Stephen.
0: You know, it, it is course. a weird thing, <laughs> it, and, and of course it does, and, and we have an audience of authors, so yes, of course that's the case, but when you listen, you give, I think, maybe a disproportionate amount of credit to the narrator. And That's it, it, fine. It's that's probably great. like watching a movie. You assume that yes. the actor somehow or other came up with the role themselves, even though obviously <laughs> they didn't.
1: And uh, that's the way it should be, because it just means that you were so into the story that it lost the quality of written material and became alive for you. That's what yes. you want.
0: And it happened very, very quickly and it was one of those things where it's like, okay, where can I drive now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> so,
0: so that was that was really cool. So we have this book and then there's at least one more that's being done. I don't know what's I don't know what's been arranged after that. But Jill, how long does it take you typically to record or narrate an audiobook?
2: Um, this is a question I don't quite have an answer to yet. Um, when I got started narrating, I think I took on a lot of projects at once, which was probably a bad idea and, um, got it, you know, got me to a place where it was hard for me to tell how long it actually takes mm-hmm. to do one book. Um, Because I just, I was drawn in so many different directions and trying to get things done, you know, by different deadlines. Um, So I'm excited now that I'm kind of out of that um, situation now to actually pay attention to if I just have one project at a time, how long does it take to sit down and record it? How long does it take to edit it? Um, And, uh, but I know that, you know, during a typical day, as long as I stay hydrated and everything, I can usually record for about four hours um and you know, maybe get um twenty to thirty percent of the way through a book. So
0: that's a lot. Yeah. I mean that's a lot of talking. People don't have any idea how much yeah, talking it is that is. A lot of talking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I was warned about that too. You know, uh, a lot of, you know, blogs for audiobook narrators talk about that and they're like, Hey, make sure you know even if you're an actor, even if you've done commercial voice work, even if you think you're really used to talking and recording things over and over, you know, and everything, you have no idea what you're in for when you do an entire book. And I was like, okay, I'm warned. It'll be fine. But, yeah, I I have had moments like that where I'm like, oh, my God, this is just so much talking.
0: (laughs) And what's your process? Do you record several chapters and then edit them, or do you just do all the recording and then go back and edit?
2: Um, I like to – do a few chapters, um, and then spend a little bit of time editing. Uh, I have done it before where I've done almost the whole book and then kind of gone back and edited, but I do like to know, um, just for myself, if it is going to be a tough book to edit for some reason, um, you know, if there were any inconsistencies, like in the way I was placing my face next to the microphone or something, I like to know about that as soon as possible, you know, so that I don't get all the way done. And then I'm like, Oh my God, all of these chapters are messed up you know like <laughs> so it is good to kind of uh, edit a little bit as i'm going
0: yeah and as someone who listens to a lot of audiobooks that's really obvious when it happens and you you know you know what happened and even the biggest audiobooks that are done by movie stars have that happen and you go wow why didn't someone catch that
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've it, been surprised too when I've listened to audiobooks sometimes, you know, about how obvious that is, even books put out by very, you know, big name publishers. I'm like, Oh yeah, I can tell, you know, when you switched the microphone or, you know, when you turned your head. And, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And when we were working uh, on that first part of the first chapter together, you actually gave us different options where the microphone was in different places. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, the mic placement does have, a a huge impact on how the audio sounds and it's oh my god like listen to me talking like I know anything about (laughs) audio editing I don't you know but (laughs) um but I it is something I learned very quickly you know where I was like oh my gosh like my voice really does sound different depending on where the mic is what position my body is in you know so it's interesting yeah
0: And because it's all about me, and I like to focus on myself, as you're saying Ah. that, I think about the number of times when I'm editing my own stuff, and I'm talking, and I'm just engrossed in the conversation and writing things down, and when I write something down, my head moves down, my mouth goes away from the microphone, and I sound exactly the same in my headphones, but when I'm... Producing the show, it's like, oh I've got to stop doing that how do you How do you just get yourself to stay in that same position without moving for that much time?
2: <laughs> it helps a lot when the story is good when the story is engrossing um it's it's interesting because I do end up just like staying put and just being kind of riveted by what i'm reading um, and it makes the time go by so quickly uh, but yeah, there are definitely Um, like I take a lot of water breaks and, you know, just stop to stretch sometimes. And that's always a pain. Like when I go back and edit, you know, and I can hear myself for like five minutes, you know, turning on a lamp and getting Mm. myself some more water. And I'm like, I should really just pause the recording (laughs) when I'm doing all of this. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, you know, I do, I try to make sure that I take breaks, but yeah, when I'm into it um, it's usually pretty easy to stay, to stay in place.
0: Okay. One of my favorite things about doing interviews like this is, is to ask for advice. so uh, we'll start with Martha. Martha, what advice would you have for people that are getting ready to do that first audiobook? Maybe they haven't started the audition process yet and and I'm talking about authors specifically. What advice right. would you have for them about the process?
1: They need to have a clear idea of the type of person their main character is. Uh, like I had said, needs to be a strong female. And I knew what I meant by that. And I knew when I heard it. And I think that was that made all the difference in the world. And uh, it heavily influenced the way the entire book sounds. And then the other thing I'd say is go into it with a very open, collaborative um, idea. And that no matter what comes up, you chose this person. There is a solution. You know, if, if you can work with them, you will uh, be able to work through the kinks. Don't expect everything to go super smoothly at first. That's not a problem. That's just the way things go.
0: And Jill, how about you? Would you have any advice for authors out there who are considering audiobooks for the first time?
2: Um, I would definitely reiterate what Martha says in terms of having a clear vision. Um, I know that it's super helpful like from a narrator perspective if the author does know what they want. Um, and can provide clear instructions about the story and the characters. Um, So, yeah, just I I don't think it's any kind of a problem, you know, for newbie authors who um, are new to audio to um, not be completely sure of what the process entails or what they want, because sometimes it's true. You just you, you know it when you hear it, you know, but you're not always sure exactly what you're looking for. Um, so I think that's great, but yeah, I, I like to work with someone who can be collaborative, who can provide those instructions and those feedback uh, and that feedback. Um, and yeah, that would be my advice.
0: How important is it to, to have clear guidelines when you're starting? Not, I don't know. Guidelines is probably the wrong term. Maybe a, a clear sense of author expectations. Maybe I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm fuzzy about what the right term is. And I'm not sure if you understand what I mean. If you do take a shot at answering the question.
1: I would say, I would say it's key highlights. Um, It's key highlights about what really matters in the author's vision Uh, and keep it short. I mean, I only had one or two coming, uh, having lived in Richmond for a long time. I know how annoying it is when someone does an accent and it sounds like they're from Alabama. So I know the difference and everyone in Richmond and anyone from the mid-Atlantic area would have said, that's not, that's not the right accent. So that was important because it would have thrown off a lot of readers. And then, uh, knowing about that, the, the whole intention of this character was that she was a strong female. So keep it short. That was two things and then be willing to, uh, see where the rest
0: takes you. Okay. Jill, could you add anything to that? Yeah, I
2: mean, that makes perfect sense. And I I think, too, yeah, keep it short is definitely good advice, too, Um, because, you know, on the flip side of getting good guidelines and feedback there, you know, there's such a thing as an overwhelming amount of, you know, stage direction. And (laughs) so. um, So, yeah, I think that's definitely good advice, you know, be as concise as possible, but figure out what matters to you about the story and the characters that you really want to make sure your audiobook will get across.
0: Okay. A couple of narrator specific questions, Jill, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. It, we are the, the arrangement that you have with, with Martha is a per finished hour arrangement. So we know you do per finished hour deals. Do you also do revenue share deals?
2: Um, I stick to per finished hour. Okay. Um, right. I have done one revenue share deal, um, which I was, it, there were reasons for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but I do prefer the, uh, per finished hour. Yeah.
0: Okay. Is there anything in particular that you look for in the material to make the decision whether or not you want to do a book?
2: Um, yes, I look for, um, characters who come across clearly on the page, especially since, as we discussed, a lot of the audition scenes are very short Um, so I'm looking for a character that I can get to know even in that short span of time. Um, and I definitely look for material that I feel I can connect with, um, because I do think it is, it's something that will come across even subconsciously to listeners. If you're not invested, um, you know, in the material so I look for something that sounds exciting to me, that sounds like a book I would want to read on my own anyway, even mm-hmm. if I wasn't narrating it.
0: Okay. Well, any, any last thoughts, Jill?
2: Um, no, just thank you so much for letting me be part of this. This is really fun. And
0: where, can, where can authors connect with you if they're interested in having you consider their projects?
2: Um, you can find me on ACX. I've got um, my ACX profile under Jill Smith and that's the easiest way to connect with me. I am pretty terrible at social media
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will link to your ACX profile so that will be in the show notes. Uh, thank you both so much for being with us today thank you I, uh, Martha, thank you so much for the Martha Carr experiment. I know that sure. a lot of us have learned a lot from that Jill. Uh, congratulations on such a fantastic job on the list you really did i can't wait to hear the rest of the uh, the rest of the books
2: thank you so much i'm excited to keep going with the series and yeah thank you so much both of you
1: absolutely you've done a really fantastic job
0: and it's fun as an author
1: to hear something i've labored over come alive it's really
0: wonderful and martha since i know you love to sell where can people find the audio yes (laughs) (laughs) you
1: can find the audio uh book at audible on amazon and um, you can sign up for a free trial subscription so you can try it out and hear the list conspiracy which is, would be a great way to introduce yourself to audible on amazon
0: And the audio book is just out after a fairly brief period of time. It'll be linked up with WhisperSync and everything, so you'll be able to do that super cool thing where you can read the book and listen and go back and forth between the car and wherever you like to read. So, again, thank you both so much for being here, and thank you all for listening. Show notes at theauthorbiz.com, and we will talk again soon.